listening to the Private Citizen podcast for critical thinkers. This is episode 114 for Tuesday, the 19th of April, 2022. War and justice. Hello, everybody. My name is Fab. Fabian Scherter is my full name. I'm your host tonight, coming to you uh, from the beautiful city of Düsseldorf in Germany. Um, not live this time, but uh, live to tape, pretty much. Uh, I'm recording this, as I always do, just not with a live audience. Um, tonight, we're going to talk about Ukraine once again, but mostly, um, you know, not so much about anything new. Um, I, I want to explain my perspective. Um, I've, I've got some feedback um, related to a uh, the last episode I did on on Ukraine and some some um, thoughts from producers of the show and I think I need to explain some things uh, and I think it's um, important enough that I just I didn't just answer um, these people in the you know the channels whatever whatever channel like on the forum or uh, or via email or however they got a hold of me um, I actually talked to uh, some some people uh, basically uh, n not really in person but you know um pretty much on the phone <laughs> um so uh, i wanna um i, I you know I, th i think there's something in there um for everybody i think this is something that um um no matter how you what you thought about um that episode or previous episodes on the topic i think um i need to just go a bit deeper into how i think about these things um, and how I I don't know I I would I would suggest you think about um, those things as well. But we'll you know we'll we'll get into that. Um, before we start, as, as usual, the show notes are at uh, privatecitizen.press. Usually I um you know I I broadcast these recordings as I do them live on Twitch as a as a stream. Um, that wasn't possible this week. I am um, somewhat happy that I actually managed to record and put out this show at all. Um, I had some, you know, scheduling issues and um, just general, just just generally uh, a very full week this week. So I'm happy I got this episode out this way. So I couldn't, like, couldn't really record it live. There was no way for me to do that. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll get back to that probably already next week. Um, I'll probably get back to the Wednesday releases next week as well. I don't think there'll be another episode this week. I don't think I'll have time. Um, I'm, I'm happy I, I got this one out free. Um, but um, yeah, so, um, so you know, it's a little bit of a change of pace. But um, And there's also not going to be any feedback in this episode because basically this is pretty much a feedback episode. I'm not reading out any feedback. I basically took in um, a lot of things that, that, that some of you told me. And I thought about them for a long time. I spent a lot of time in the car recently, so I had some time to, you know, mull it over, uh, think about it, and, and and basically come up with this episode. So, um, why, why don't we just get right into it? I got myself a nice um, white wine for this because I think this is like contemplation. We're in contemplation mode today. This is going to be a little bit, maybe almost philosophical, Um It's um yeah it's it's gonna be uh it's gonna be uh, a bit of a, a you know a thoughtful episode so I got myself some some nice riesling 
from the uh, Palatinate. Weinguthof, of course. Um, so uh, I suggest you do the same. Um, you lay back, um, unless you're in a car or on a bike or whatever. And, you know, just, just, just bear with me here for a little bit. And, uh, you know, let us, let us think about some stuff together. So yeah, um, this is going to be um, a little bit of an epistemology episode, really. Um, I want to, you know, take a step back from how we, you know, think about things. And I think this is generally a, g a good exercise to do. And kind of, I want to do this at the, you know, with the case of, of, of Ukraine and how I reported on that. In mind, and I kind of want to go into um, six different points. Just maybe be before I get into those, to explain um, in the beginning where this is coming from. So I had the feeling by 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 some things that people said to me um, in uh, you know in respect with uh, to, to to episode one hundred and twelve, which is where I talked about um, you, you know this was was it my second. Uh, episode on the war in Ukraine. No, I think the third. You know, I basically talked about what I think Putin's war goals are in Ukraine. And I think people didn't say this directly, but I can kind of from 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 you know lots lots of people, feedback from different sources, I can basically glean that I think some people thought that I, I, I was kind of being cold hearted about this. And and I think this this kind of bears addressing because I, I, I previously did an episode uh, about justice and, um, and and law, law and justice. Um, and that was episode 105, Law versus Justice, where I kind of explained um, what, what I think the difference there is and why that is important. And people thought, you know, I, I'm just, nobody really said this, but I'm kind of, you know, kind of gleaming, I'm kind of... Um, doing a meta kind of analysis of what people said. I think they said they, they thought, Fab, you, you're always concerned with justice. And how can you not, like, basically feel for the Ukrainian people? How can you not, like, see that their fight against the Russians um, is, is, you know, is, is, is just or whatever? And I'm going to get into that in, in this episode, how I see that specific thing. But first off, I have this problem on this show um, a lot, and I want to address that as well. I think people um, think, they, they look at what, I, what, I, what topics I report on, and then they kind of assume um, that that's what's important to me, or that I, you know, if I... When there was the, the, the Trump versus Biden stuff, I reported a lot on Biden. And now it's like Ukrainians versus Russians. And I'm like kind of um, reporting a lot, like basically um, from the Russian perspective. The reason why I do that is not because I'm a Trump supporter. Um, you know, I, I didn't support Trump uh, or Biden. Um, I You know, I had my reasons for disliking both of those. Uh, candidates, and and also in this in this war it's, it's different. I'm I'm clearly 
a lot more on the Ukrainian side here. Um, but that's not my impetus for reporting things. Um, I, I see myself, if I look at my career, I've now been a professional journalist for 10 years. I went into journalism because I feel that the journalism we currently have, have is very bad. It's suboptimal and it can be improved. And I, I kind of feel I'm kind of a meta journalist. I went into journalism because I want to improve and I want to react on what I see is going on with journalism and, and counteract the bad tendencies. And this is kind of what this show is about a lot of the times as well. I'm reporting on things that I don't see reported in for lack of a better term, the mainstream news. I know that people think that's kind of like a term that I don't know, right I don't know, white supremacist theories or whatever or conspiracy theorists. In, in in German we have a better term, which there, there's not a there's no English term for that. In Germany we have a term called light median, the the leading media, right? There are the 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 big publications that basically mainstream media that you know if you if you if you stop somebody on the street and ask them like what websites do you read for news, um in Germany they're gonna tell you there's a handful Right there's there's Bild, you know, there's there's Die Welt, there's Der Spiegel, uh, Die Zeit, Die Süddeutsche, FAZ, or maybe six, you know, maybe maybe Tats, even if they're like very left leaning, um, but those is those are like the um, what we call light media, and those are the um, the, uh, the the you know back in the day would have said the press that has circulation enough that has reached enough to form. Um, what people think about, you know, the, the the consensus, the discussion, and I I like to report things that are underreported, you know, in in the New York Times, in the Washington Post, uh, in the BBC, in the Guardian, in Der Spiegel, because you know if you, if you take the Ukraine the, the the war in Ukraine as as an example. You just need to turn on the radio, the TV, or you need to go to any like major news site and you will see the Ukrainian perspective. They're all reporting almost exclusively from the Ukrainian perspective. And I'll get into that in the show a little bit later on as well. Um, but I feel I don't need to do that. And I'm not a believer in this. I've thought about this a lot. You know, if, if, if you've been listening to the show... Um, and, you know, it might be worth going back to, um, you know, go to Private Citizen or Press and click on the journalism tag maybe in, in some episodes or whatever and, and listen to some of those episodes. And I've explained a lot what I think what journalism is and, and how I see it. So I'm not going to do that again. But suffice it to say, I don't believe in this um, forced objectivity. I think everybody has a bias. I think you're, you're as a journalist, of course, you have a bias. Everybody has a bias. It's it's best if you make that as transparent as possible and tell everybody about it. Uh, but then try to be as objective as you can, understanding that you can never be fully objective. And, you know, telling your readers, your listeners that, right? Um, th that is the um, understanding you have when you're listening to the show. I'm trying to be objective. I will never be fully objective. And I'll try to give you my where I'm coming from and, and, and my, you know... Um, Try to give you some context why I, you know, why I'm, why I'm maybe biased in a, in a certain way, but I don't believe in this like trying, like forcibly 
it's kind of almost like alibi objectivism where you like the, the classic journalism model where I, I'll, I'll take I'll, I'll take a source from this side and I'll take a source from that side and then it's balanced. Um, no, it's not. And I don't think it has to be. I believe that journalism balances itself out. If you're um, a, um, a relatively intelligent person that who knows to, how to use the internet and you... You, you will be that if you're listening to the show. Otherwise, you won't have found this show. <laughs> you know, it's not like I'm being advertised, you know, in mainstream media. So, you know, you know, you know, you, you know, you know how to use the internet and you're relatively intelligent, I would assume. So, you um, can, you know how to use the internet. You can read broadly, right? You can, you can listen to me and then you can listen to some other podcast that has a whole different perspective that is maybe very pro-Ukrainian. And I judge that you do that. So I don't think I need to cover all subjects from all sides, which I can't, also can't. I can't. So what, I, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to cover what I think is important and what I often, this also boils down to because I'm reading a lot and I'm watching a lot of news, and, you know, so you don't have to <laughs> say I have no agenda. Um that often amounts to like the stuff that's underrepresented. So that's why I'm covering a lot of stuff. So don't assume just because I'm talking a lot about the Russian side, um, I sympathize with Vladimir Putin or I, I'm on his side. I report on that side because it's underreported. And in this war, they're the aggressor. And they're also the more like... There's, if you go out there and you watch stuff on the Ukraine con conflict or you read stuff, there's a lot about how like Ukrainians feel about this, which I don't think is very in, like you know I, you know. I'm I'm not saying it's not valid how they feel, they, but it's not interesting to me as an outside observer. I know that they're they're being attacked, right? Of course they're, <laughs> I mean, of course they're going to defend themselves, and you know that so they should. But like, that's not why I want to understand. If I want to understand this conflict from the outside, I want to understand. You know, I want to understand the Russian government. I want to understand Putin. I want to understand the aggressor, right? Same as in, like, if I'm studying World War II, um, you know, if if I study the the the, the, the German assault on Poland um, and the 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 lead up to that, I'm much less interested in the Polish side because the Polish side is straightforward. They were attacked. They were trying to defend themselves, right? It's much more interesting if you want to understand history, like. Why did Hitler attack Poland? Like, what was the rationale behind that? Um, that is the that is the most to me, or I think to anybody who wants to just objectively understand it. That's just the more interesting side because the other side is just straightforward. Um, that's not to say that the other side's not valid and shouldn't be reported on. I'm just trying to explain why I report on uh, when I report on. So because I got the feeling that some people. Like the the strong feeling that some people misunderstand that. So please, you know, please don't misunderstand that. Um, so with that out of the way, um, I wanna I'm I'm gonna try to go into six points that I think are very important. Um, first off, I want to talk about war and justice. That's kind of like the overarching topic here, right? Um, is war just? What does justice mean in the context of war? That'll bring us to international law because there's such a thing as international law, you know. Which, of course, I, when I was in university, I studied history, politics. I, I studied international. Well, I didn't study a course. Well, I think I did actually. 
um, you know, but I didn't study. I think there are people who just study international law. But I, you know, I did. Uh, I, you know, I did work on the uh, the Congress of Vienna, right? Which is one of the first. A lot of work actually, which runs the first. This is where a lot of the systems we have in international law come from, right? That from the Congress, and this is where states got together and they kind of nailed down. Um, this was like a reaction to Napoleon and Napoleon having basically laid waste to all of Europe. Um, all those states and all the monarchs got together, uh, had a big party, basically, with lots of wine and whores, uh, which is why it was in Vienna. Um, and they hammered out stuff, not only like the borders of Poland and stuff like that, but also like how wars are supposed to be fought. And and from that, we eventually got the League of Nations um, you know, which 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 obviously uh, failed to prevent. Uh, you, know, you know, you had your know, World War One. You had the League of Nations. Obviously, pre- failed to prevent World War Two. Uh, from that, we eventually got the United Nations, which is a lot, a lot of the basis of actual, you know, the, the international law we have now. So, what is that? What does that mean? Is that about justice in war? Um, when we get to that, we also have to talk about war crimes because that goes. There's a big part of international law. Um, you know, the, the Tribunal of War Crimes uh, in Den Haag and stuff like that. Um, and 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 so so these are the first three points. And then I want to get to something of, you know, um, I also feel I misunderstood because of when I talk about what I call the detached scientific perspective. So how do historians um, look about look look at wars? And that makes you if you're trying to analytically analyze stuff, People think you're cold-hearted. I think that's what I would, was trying to do in that episode, and I, people didn't. Maybe I didn't preface it correctly. I had a feeling that a lot of people didn't understand that. But it's the same thing in all of science, right? Um, people will see you as cold-hearted. Um, so my wife, uh, for example, is a biologist. She does um, what I think is very important, um, much more important stuff than I do. Um, she she does um, medical science right she, she, she's trying to figure out so the biggest um killer um in all of our lives in every country no matter where you're listening from you know no, no matter the time you know no matter covid or anything is always heart disease heart disease kills the most people at all times it kills more people than all wars um and she's trying to prevent that now if you if you want to do that um one of the things you you can't do is you can't take a living human being and you know give the person some kind of medication and then see what happens to their heart like so if you want to figure out some disease you have to like basically um see what happens you know when the disease strikes so you need to look at people who had the disease right so dead people need to cut them open cut their heart out uh take it apart some people find that um, you know, heartless for lack of a better term um, and then you will have to do um, animal testing right there there um, I mean as, as much as people are opposed to animal testing it's like a very very important part of medical science um, there are just some things you cannot do uh, you know by, by, by growing you can't grow a heart in a vat you just can't. We don't, we don't know how to do that. If we knew how to do that, we could just grow hearts and transplant them. And, and we're not, we're not, we're not by far not there yet. So if you want to, if you have like the idea that a certain thing, 
um, causes a certain heart disease, for example, um, you will have to often, you know, mice or sheep, um, and you will implant them with like medical devices, or you will inject them with stuff, and then you basically um, you watch them suffer. Um, you, you know, it's here in Europe, very strict rules about this. There are much stricter rules than anything else. So there's, you know, it's ethical stuff and this is all being watched. Um, but yes, essentially you're doing that and it's very important. And some people think that is um, cruel, but it is science. Um, that's how science works. And, and to bring it back to historical science, it's how historical science works as well. If you want to look as objectively as you can about wars, that have been fought in the, in, in the past or are being fought right now, you know, if you're studying politics, um, then um, to be objective, you have to be as emotionally cold as, as you can. I think that's very important. So I want to talk about that. And that's another thing. Like people think I'm emotionally cold. I'm not. But like I'll, I'll try to I put myself in this kind of mindset when I do the show. I, I try to specifically do it that way um, because I think it's important. I don't think you can do science and any other way and i think there's enough emotion out there if you turn on the tv and there's a report on the war in ukraine it's gonna be almost it doesn't matter who's doing it they're all doing it you know public broadcasters everybody's doing it you know private stuff they're all they're all on the internet on twitter on tiktok it's all 90 percent emotion and very little information. And I think we need more information and less emotion. And if you think I'm too cold-hearted and you need some emotion, just turn on the TV and you'll get enough emotion. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about the scientific, detached scientific perspective, as I call it. And then in the end, this is one of my favorite topics, propaganda. Uh, we also have to talk about propaganda because this is also something I think people misunderstood. And uh, this is also a reason why I bring up the Russian perspective. Um, so, um, yeah, so that's what I'm, I'm, I'm going to do. So let's start with the first point. And I think at first I must explain a belief that I've held for decades. Um, this is why I um, turned down or I, I tried to get out of uh, mandatory um, or I would have gotten... I would have tried to get out of mandatory um, military service in Germany... Um, you know, to do civil service, but I didn't have to because in the end they didn't want me because of a um, health issue, but uh, I would have tried. Um, um, and I feel that, you know, one of the reasons I would have done that, or the, the most important reason is that I feel like war is never just, right? And this has just been reinforced by studying history um, and looking at a lot of wars in the past, like 300 years, and you know, if you go further back, it's it's all the same. So war wars um, are never just. They never equate to justice. They may be necessary, i.e., they may be justifiable, but war itself is never an act of justice. Um, you know, wars get labeled as just wars uh, based on propaganda. And this is often the old adage, uh, you know, the victor writes the history books is very true. Um, in the end, uh, the winner of the war, the winner's propaganda, so there's propaganda on both sides, the winner's propaganda tends to influence um, what historians write or record as facts. If you look at World War II, World War II is a very good example. 
um, if you look at what historians, um, uh, you know, scientifically wrote about World War II, you know, 30, 40 years afterwards, um, a lot of that later turned out to be propaganda and often winners propaganda, right? Um, I'm not saying that, you know, um, you just just so you don't mis misunderstand me. I'm not saying like the Holocaust didn't happen. Of course it happened. But like if you look at the 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 tank battle at 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 Kursk, and you know the what is now basically um, understood to be a legend, you know that that like uh, uh, very few, uh, no no very few that that like uh, that there was a massive tank battle and like the Germans had massive tanks and the Russians had massive tanks, and they clashed and the Russians overwhelmed them because they just had more tanks. Um, if you look at modern um, scientific uh, work on this, uh, you will understand that this is mostly wrong, uh, especially from the German side. The Germans certainly didn't have mass tank battles. They have, they had better tactics uh, in a lot of cases, um, but they lost in the end because the Russians had more tanks. Uh, but it was by far not the, the masked battle then the basically the russians the russian propaganda was the germans had a lot of tanks because they didn't want to admit to just having um basically brute for they brute forced the battle right they went we don't care how many tanks of people we lose uh we just want to win this which you know is a valid strategic approach it's just like very very bad after the war if you have to explain why you did that to like all the mothers of all the soldiers you killed um so often you know often you know the winner's propaganda really influences like how history sees something and then you know it, it turns like you know 50 you know usually historic science uh, historical science starts like 30 years after an event anything up to 30 years is political science and then we get into historic this is based on like you know how archives usually declassify stuff um but that's like a that's like a, the rough a rough guide um but you know and then you know you have stuff 30 40 years after an event and then you know 50 60 70 years it turns like people look at this and they're like oh maybe a little of this propaganda and then it just turns around but um it's um so 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 if we de if we say if or not even if we say if you think of wars as being just this is usually or it's always a propaganda thing right so comp a recent example compare the u.s invasion of iraq um in 2003 um which was based on obvious lies on in not even in hindsight even like a year later it was obvious that the U.S. government lied to the public. They lied about weapons of mass destruction, destruction that didn't exist, about many other things. Um, so compare that to the current Russian invasion in Ukraine, which is immediately seen like as, as, as evil and bad and as a war crime, whereas on the face of it, both wars are kind of the same, are an you know, an attacker just attacking another country for reasons, basically. But you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's an invasion. It's kind of like 
Germany attacking Poland in World War II. Um, it's, you know, I'm, I'm not saying it's the same thing, but like on the face of it, th- that's what all of this is. It's just like deciding where whether we think it was justified is something that happens um, afterwards, right? Um, so, so that's what I mean. Like a war can be necessary and it can be justifiable. You know, as a German, I would say World War Two is just was justifiable. In hindsight, um, it was an incredible slaughter uh, on all sides, and and many, 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 many lives were lost. Um, but in hindsight, yes, we are probably better off as a result of it. But also, that's our historic perspective. You know, who knows what people in three hundred years think? You know, you know, history marches on and st- other stuff happens, and you know, who knows. Um, you know, just as 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 World War One was seen after the war uh, by a lot of people as as as, ju- as a justified war, especially on side of the Allies, and and that turned because basically um, it it was evident that World War One and the Peace of Versailles directly enabled Hitler, and and you know let just you know World War One without World War One Hitler wouldn't have been possible. The 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 the, the financial collapse wouldn't have happened. You know, so it's like. You know, history is is everything's interconnected, and and often we only see this stuff after the fact, right? Um, so so if you look at certain events in World War II, uh, just isolated, so the firebombing of Dresden, I would say, if we get to war crimes in a bit, was a war crime. Um, I, I'm still convinced of that today. Um, it was obviously targeting the civilian population. You know, you you you're bombing a civilian center with firebombs specifically because they're very horrific and and you know you, you're killing tens of thousands of people um you're not attacking uh, a military target definitely like you know if the, if the russians firebombed kiev today uh, that would be immediately seen as war crime right whereas same the same thing uh just because hitler is involved is 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 not a war crime um, you know, people still saying today, like you know, American the Americans are still saying that 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 wasn't a war crime, and 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 the thing is, I think it it was a war crime. It doesn't take away from the fact that it might have been necessary. Um, I'm I'm not saying you know I'm not an expert on this topic either, but like I'm I'm not a. It might have actually been necessary, but it's still a war crime, right? Um. And and this is this is this is where we get into like war and, and, and justice. Just because it's it's necessary and just because maybe it's a lesser evil and, and maybe really you have to do the utilitarian Spock thing where like the, the you know the the, the, the um the good of the many uh, in this sometimes the good of millions might be worth more than the you know than than, than ten thousand lives or whatever. Um that's not justice. And this is why when when I talk about war, I don't I don't really care about justice because I don't think there is any justice when it comes to war. I think wars are a um a very Machiavellian thing. Wars are a thing between states and and statesmen uh or state state women. Um and they they have nothing to do with justice. They are just purely power political um, 
moves, right? And 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 so 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 the Russians attack Ukraine. Of course, the Ukrainians are going to defend themselves, and I I would never say they shouldn't. Um, but is it justice? Right? At at what like they're also killing people, right? There might be some recruits sitting on the, on the Russian tank that thought they were going to a training exercise and then suddenly they're crossing the Ukrainian border. They had no idea this was going on. That If somebody had asked them, they would have said, no, I don't want to do this. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and now they're getting shot at. Like, like is that is that justice? Um, I, I just think, like, to some extent, I, I think when we get into wars, like, we kind of have to suspend... Um, looking at justice because it's all a massive injustice I feel um, right I, I don't think any of these um, considerations have to do with this and and then that's that's my that's why my approach as an outside observer who is neither Ukrainian nor Russian who's not not in the country in any country is not involved uh, was just sitting thousands of kilometers away. Um, I tried to think about this both scientifically and and as objectively as I can, and as a humanitarian, and as you know, as a humanist. I consider myself a humanist. I, which is kind of weird because I fucking hate people. I think humans are humans, as Quark would say. <laughs> Currently watching Deep Space Nine, humans are horrible. Right, because Ferengi would have never had this war. They went on a light note here. <laughs> they would have just made a deal. <laughs> you know, they would have just paid. <laughs> the Ukrainians would have just paid the Russians in Latinum, gold press Latinum, and everything would have been fine. But humans have to have wars. But as a humanist, I just want to minimize suffering, and I'm really like cold-hearted about this, right? I'm I'm thinking like um, this is why I'm saying things like if the Ukrainians have to um, if they have to surrender to minimize casualties on either side, then you know because I'm not Ukrainian, <laughs> you know I understand that if you're Ukrainian and if you have a skin in this game, then then you feel very differently, but as an as an outside observer, um, you know. That like if that prevents more death, then I would say yes, that's the way to go. And then afterwards, you have to pol- do political. Like you know, of course, they should get the country back, right? It's kind of like. Um, so if I look at the Cold War and I look at the situation after World War II in Germany, as a German, I I hate that Germany obviously was divided for like forty years, and we had a big fucking war running through our country. And anybody who was who was born on the wrong side and just wanted to go over to the other side was being shot at the border, right? That was a horrible situation. Um, but you know, this is one of these not just this kind of like a war thing, right? It's like it's like foreign relations. It's kind of like. Um, but it was better than war, right? And it was a situation that, that was better than war for, for both sides and that eventually got resolved, right? Through economic means, we kind of toppled the Soviet Union uh, because they couldn't keep this shit up. Um, so maybe, you know, that's why I say maybe that's, that's, the, that's the best solution from, from, from my point of view. I understand that, you know, 
if you're Ukrainian or have friends there, or have ever visited the country or whatever, feel strongly, then you you, you might not you might not agree. Um, but anyway, so so I feel war was never just. If I talk about war, you'll have to keep that in the back of your mind from now on. Right? War has nothing to do with justice to me. The moment the moment you give somebody a gun and you tell them right, you're in a country where, you know, I'm in Germany. Right? I'm in Germany and and we have laws and our laws say that if I uh premeditate to kill somebody and then I shoot them, that that is murder and that I will have to go to jail for a very long time until society can be sure that I understood what I did there and I will not do it again. Possibly my whole life. I accept this. I think this is this is generally a good rule to have. Now, at the point where that same state goes, all right, we're at war with another country. You must now join the military. Here's your rifle. You go there, you cross that border, and the first person you see that where that has wears the other flag or whatever that has a different uh, uh, you know fatigues on a little bit of different camouflage you shoot them in the head that's your job now that's where justice ends right and and this is also my problem with international law let's get into that point um, i talked about this in episode 105 when we talk about laws and justice in a country um, then I, you know, when you normally, when you're a citizen, I would say, you know, justice is something to sum it up that flows from a person's own ethics and morality, right? That's where it comes from, essentially. Um, it's a thing in inside yourself, and and with with you know, you use that as kind of a tool to judge other people or yourself. Um, and whereas laws come from the state, they flow from the state, and they're just they're really not they're really not justice either. What they what really laws in a modern state don't also they don't try to be just really. What they what they're trying to do that they're, they're, they're not even aiming at justice. What they're aiming is they just basically want laws are an attempt to organize the citizens of the state's lives in like an orderly fashion, in a way that where everybody can be as free as they want to be without hurting anybody else, right? So in a best case scenario, this if you have really good laws, this approaches justice, but it's not the same thing, right? Because the, 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 the state is, it's a tool, it's a bureaucracy, right? That, the the, the 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 judge is not sitting there well he or she might be but generally it's like the, from from the state's point of view they're not supposed to sit there and say oh it's this justice what they're doing is they look at the laws and they look at what you did and then they pronounce a sentence and it doesn't really come from whether that's justice it comes from like you know interpreting the laws the same for everybody else um you know and that can you know, as, as I said, the best case scenario that approaches justice. Now, international law, which is which is lamed international law, but it's not really like you can't put it on the same pedestal as the laws we have in a state, right? If you live in a democracy like I am, we vote representatives and they go somewhere and they make laws. And these laws, they represent us. That's the idea. Us, the voters, you know, we're we're 
if everything works according to plan, we are represented. These laws are there for us. They represent us. That's not what international law is. International law is not law at all, really, even though there are lawyers and there are people study this, which I almost abhor because I think it's all, it's almost, I think it's probably propaganda. Um, it's just dumb. It's not law at all. International law is treaties, um, right? It's, um, and it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, how do I say this? It doesn't, it doesn't flow from a higher authority, right? In a state, we're all citizens, and then there's the state, as the communists would call it. But I like this term. I like using it, the apparatus. It's the state apparatus, right? And that's the higher um, authority. We all submit to that, right? The state has the police, the courts, and the idea is that as citizens, we're supposed to be all equal under the authority of the state. Now, in, in international law, there is no higher authority. Yes, you can have the UN, you can have Den Haag and all that shit, but really what you have in international relations is states, sovereign states, and they're all the same. They're all created equal, you know? And there, there might be the UN and there might be an international court of justice, but not every state belongs to that. And you can just say, I don't accept that. And, you know, that's that. There's nothing, you know, there, there's nothing... I mean, yes, the other states can band together and kind of force you to, but it's like bullies on a schoolyard. It's not, there's no higher authority, right? Once, you know, once we had, we had Louis XIV at one point and he said, I'm the state and, you know, I, I derive my, um, I derive my, uh, my authority from God. And then we had Carolus Rex, you know, there's a good song by the Swedish metal band Sabaton called Carolus Rex, which you should at least listen to one, which explains this, where, where Carolus, Carolus, you know, uh, Carl, the, who was it? God, uh, God which, which king was it? Uh, I have to Google this. Carolus Rex. Rex. Carolus Rex. Uh, Charles VII of Sweden, um, who said, you know, uh, I derive, I am basically equal to God. I, I don't listen to the church. I don't listen to anybody else because what I what I say was said in heaven, you know. I'm the it's kind of like Louis Catos. I'm like the vessel of God, right? That's why I, I am the highest authority. Um, yes, and so we had the states, and now they're the highest authority because God is dead, uh, thanks Nietzsche, um, and now we have all the the states, and you know they're just. They're just making this shit up as, yeah, laws are just made up as they go along. But basically, what that means is international laws flows from states. And it's not, it's not even concerned with justice. It's not, um, it's not about justice at all. Uh, it's, it's more about precedence. It's more about like, okay, we are states and we've, we've, there were wars in the past and there were things that we didn't really like. So we're going to outlaw some of those. But like, we were just, all assume that there's going to be war, right? That's the thing that happens. So, um, you know, we're not even going to debate if war is just. We're just going to ignore that. We're just going to say war happens and then we have some rules. And, and you better adhere to those rules or else. That's basically what, what, what inter international law is, right? International law, I mean, it's easy to see that it's not about justice at all. Um, because there's an easy example, you know, murder doesn't exist in international law because states assume that war is going to happen and war is you send your people to kill the other people. Uh, and, you know, if, if that's citizen in a state, that's murder. But we don't have that. It's just basically killing people in war 
under international law is normalized behavior, right? So, so how can that be like? How can that be justice? How can you, as a citizen that lives in a state where you're not allowed to kill other people, says the state, and then the, now it's war, and now you're allowed to kill other people under these certain rules? Like, the, how is that justice? Like. If you think about that philosophically or ethically or morally, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense that you're not supposed to kill a, uh, a, a human being in this context. And then in that other context, you're allowed to. And you're actually trained to by your fucking state to do it. Right? You get everything you need to do. You get, you get trained. You get your uniform. You get your, your gun. You get your bullets. You get as much bullets as you need. Go and shoot at that other guy. Um Right, so so, as you might understand, I, I it sounds a bit like I have disdain for international law, which I don't. I have disdain for the propaganda of international law. Right, when the German public broadcaster talks about and the BBC, and CNN, and the New York Times, the New York Times really bad for this. When they talk about international law, they hold that up as if it's the same thing as the laws we have, because they don't understand. Then it's called international law, but it's not like. <laughs> Right? It's not. If Putin valid, if Vladimir Putin validates international law, there's no international police that's gonna come and and serve him a subpoena and then arrest him. Right? He can do whatever he wants because relations of states, you know, very Machiavellian, are about power. And as long as he has enough power, and he rules his country, and nobody in his country objects, or nobody in power in his country objects, like there's no. There's nothing the UN General Assembly can do, right? Because he has fucking nuclear weapons. He's more powerful than anybody else, right? There, there's people who are as powerful, like the American president, but we learned, like, this is why we had the Cold War, that this kind of cancel it, cancels itself out. Um, and this also extends to war crime, right? War crime is the thing that belongs to the same kind of scheme, I would say, like, of, of international law. And... You know, I don't think international law is a bad thing. I mean, it's good that we have certain rules. It's just like these people who study it. Like at, at university, um, you know, you do like international law courses and then you have somebody who's a professor in international law. And I'm like, what the f... Like, that's just like... What you're studying is just process. That's like... And they're always like, also like, this is where the news media has got the idea from. They put it on a pedestal. Like, it's like this amazing thing. Um, you know, where it's just like relatively arbitrary rules that people came up with. It's just a body of ideas. Same, same about war crime, right? Um, so, um, I mean, the problem with this, international law is codified, for example. Like in Germany, we have a law, we have the local German law that, that, that you know, takes things from, from international law and from you know what the UN says and the the, the the International Court of Justice and puts that into law. So so it's illegal for a German citizen to do certain things because they're illegal in, in, in under German law. And um, but you know putting it on the same level is just dumb because the example of war crimes tells you that states will just ignore that. Like if you shoot somebody, like in Germany you are relatively assured that this is at least going to be investigated. I mean, there's corruption and there's all this kind of, yes, but like generally there is an assumption that pretty much every citizen is treated equally. It's not the case with war crimes at all. First of all, 
what even is a war crime? I I find this this term ludicrous because it's it has nothing to do like with 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 a crime like crime and we talk about you know laws may just be like you know also a process a bureaucracy and and it's not justice but like it's trying to be right it's 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 trying to be just as it can it's trying to treat everybody the same war crimes are not war crimes are arbitrary like so it's a ever since World War One. There are like rules in international law. It's a war crime to use the wrong kind of ammunition in your rifle um, in war. This is why most, you know, this is why militaries generally use full metal jacket and they don't use like um, uh, hollow point and, and, and stuff like that. So basically, it's a war crime. In So it's, it's totally okay under international law to be in war and to kill somebody and murder them because you're, you're pre... Um, um, no, I've forgotten what the fucking word was. Um, you know, you, uh, what, what, what? Now I have to look up murder because I I forgot what uh, what I was trying to say. Pre-mediated. So you're pre-mediating to kill somebody, so it's murder, right? So under international law, if you use the wrong kind of ammunition, if you use one kind of ammunition to do that, you're totally okay. If you use another kind of ammunition, it's a war crime. Like, what kind of crime is that? Just just imagine wherever you are, Germany, the US, China, just imagine you have a law that says um, that murder is totally okay unless you use the wrong kind of weapon. Right? You are... Um, so, just imagine Germany was like... Um, so if you really don't like somebody, you can shoot them in the head with nine millimeter parabellum. But if you use, like I don't know, a forty-five, then it's murder and you go to jail. <laughs> like that's not justice, right? That that is just like that's just arbitrary rules, and that's kind of like what war crimes often are, right? You can use this kind of ammunition, like. Isn't it like, I don't know if cluster, are cluster bombs now war crimes, but like for a long time that was like a discussion. And the only reason they weren't is because they were relatively new at the time. And like they, you know, the whatever, whoever decides on this hadn't gotten together like the International Court of Justice or whatever. They had they didn't have the UN meeting where like 120 countries have to agree, yes, we're going to do that. And then one country can veto it or because they're currently using cluster bombs somewhere. I don't know. You know, it's just like, how is killing somebody with one kind of bomb okay? And then, like, I understand that some of these things are worse, right? I understand that, like, chemical weapons are worse than some other stuff. But it's, that's not how morals and ethics and, 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 um, justice works you can't compartmentalize it like this you can't go like okay killing somebody with that's okay and then the other thing that just not how it works and so i like whereas i understand why international law is like yeah i understand on like a scientific on a scientific intelligent like literary level i understand why certain things are war crimes but like if you think about them philosophically it makes no fucking sense um and and i feel like often these rules are made to not to protect the public, which that's what a crime is, right? In, in, in a normal society, in a state, the thing is a crime because it's been agreed on by the majority that, you know, it's not good for the public if if people keep doing this. But like, 
it's more like in warfare, which, you know, where killing is normalized, that's the thing that happens. Um, it's, it's, it's more like, um, like, it's more like, it's almost arbitrary rules. It's just like some rules states came up with. That is not like, how is that a crime? Right? Um, like when we define laws in, in our democratic states, we, I mean, I explained how there's a difference between justice and laws, but like the the justification for having the laws is almost ethical and it's almost it's a philosophical uh, debate, and it's always just it's it's you know it's it's the arguments are um, about justice, right? Um, it's like if you read if you read commentary on like your local whatever you in in Germany it's like the Strafgesetzbuch right where it says you're not allowed to murder people right the 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 legal commentary for that is is not like we have this law because if any everybody would run around shoot other people or kill them then it would be like chaos and that the state can function like this right there are philosophers who you know i think with the hops that are very hopsian kind of thing um that in the end kind of you know justifies laws like that but the state never does the, the state just the state justifies it with justice right the state says this is it is it's not just to take somebody else's life away and stuff like that and you just don't have that with war crimes and you know the other thing about war crimes is the thing i i talked about before um if you look at wars in history and you look at war crimes that have been persecuted it's it's very evident that it's almost always the loser who gets um uh persecuted all unless it's some kind of like um you know there are certain wars like you know the yugoslav wars were basically um once the u.s stepped in everybody who was all the belligerent were losers right so everybody was was murdering each other there the u.s at one point said this is an unjust war and we need to stop it and then they you know prosecute stuff for war crimes but like if you look at world war ii of course you know the nuremberg i mean it it i understand the reasons and, and it's good that we had those trials um it's completely understandable you know the germans uh the, the german leadership was uh was put on trial for war crimes um but like that, nobody put the RAF or the U.S. Air Force. Like there was no investigation about the firebombing of Dresden and going like, okay, so maybe this was a war crime, right? That's just not how history happens. That's like the the winners usually organize the war crime uh, war crime tribunal, right? Um, there's nobody speaking out for the for the losers, who the the, the guys who were who were you know in the um, public opinion are mass murderers, and so it's not. Um, yeah, I was almost going to say it's not like um, innocent uh, until proven guilty, which you know Nuremberg, Nuremberg kind of was. It's more like um, who prosecutes what, like in the state. Um, so, so in in Germany, for example, um, uh, the 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 laws that govern how the state prosecution works, and I, I think it's pretty much the same in the US and the UK. I'm not so sure about other countries, but like I'm, I think it must be pretty much the same. Otherwise, a democracy couldn't function. Um, the 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 laws say that the state prosecutor, like if a if a crime happens, the state prosecutor has to prosecute it. Right? It doesn't matter who did it. It doesn't matter. So so um, so let's say um, 
there's 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 two people and their families like person a person b right let's say person a ca kills person b in germany and and person b's family is completely okay with that they're like he's a dickhead he deserved to die once it gets known that person a killed person b the state this is the difference between civil and criminal law and you know civil law is just like you you yourself have to sue somebody in, in in criminal law the state does this and the state has to do it it doesn't matter if if person b is everybody in you person b goes to the police says he was a dickhead you know we we don't want we don't want you to investigate that the state has to investigate that and that's just not how international laws and how work war crimes work right there's nobody who says yeah but like because there's no high authority there is no state there's nobody above those sovereign states who says or you know or nobody who has enough power or who does it right the un is not in a position where the UN goes well you should have you must investigate the firebombing of dresden because that might have been a war crime and if you're investigating um if you're investigating what Hitler did in, in in the KZs and you know the the industrial killing of the Jews, you know there was industrial killing uh, of of citizens of the Soviet Union going on in World War II, so you must investigate that too. Nobody did that because the Soviet Union was one of the winners of the war, right? So I'm not saying war crimes shouldn't be investigated. Don't misunderstand me. Again. Just like international law, it's good that we have it, but you have to understand the system, right? You have to see it as a system that is much more flawed. I mean, our our legal systems are flawed. I talked about that in that previous episode, so we need more wine. Um, but like international law is even more flawed because there's no overarching authority. Um, and I don't think there should be. Like, don't misunderstand me. I don't want a world government. I don't think that's going to make things better. Um, but you have to kind of understand that. Anyway, let's get let's do a, a, a gear shift here. Um, uh, let's uh, let's uh, unlock the differentials uh, and go into uh, something else. So another point I, I talked about earlier before as well is this 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 detached scientific perspective, right? Um, because of all of this, um, I mean, not because of all of this. You want to have a detached scientific perspective because that's the way to do science. But even if you don't think that, um, when because if you accept what I said earlier, that wars are never just. They might be necessary, but they're not just. If you want to analyze that, right, in any productive way, you have to detach yourself from. Um, from from moral judgments like you can't this is why i'm such a big fan of realpolitik right realpolitik is a is a it's not only a way it's it's it's, it's i use it because you know i'm not a politician i use realpolitik and the understanding of what that is as a tool like a historian or a political scientist would use to look at um political decisions and historic political decision, but really, it is it is a way to to enact politics that nobody's using anymore, as far as I can tell. But um, and if you do, you get branded as like a I don't know, cold-hearted conspiracy conspiracy theorist, white supremacist asshole, probably. So nobody's doing that um, because our politics these days are very much about propaganda and about um, 
Um, I mean, you can have realpolitik with. Pro I mean, as a realpolitik politician, you know that you need to use propaganda. But these days, it's more about pretending to be, you know, to improve the world with whatever you do, even though you're just Machiavelli uh, in a Machi very Machiavellian way, just just exercising normal power politics like any politician. But anyway, um, so if you take this realpolitik approach uh, and you look at foreign relations. You, you understand what I what I just explained, right? There are no morals in the dealings between sovereign states. Um, there's no higher authority. So basically a statesman is somebody who is, or stateswoman, uh, somebody who is um, steering their country, right? Who is their, um, the head of their country, um, is only beholden, you know, to his or her own responsibility for their own country, right? And depending on the, the processes, the democratic processes beholden to like other politicians or actually the public or, or both. Um, but because there's no higher authority, you're not a citizen in a state beholden to the police and to the, the justice system. It is downright to power politics. And I think if you're a statesman, you need to understand that. And you need to... And if you study politics at this level and you study statesmen you have to understand that as well and you will if you study history i think sooner or later you there's no other way to understand this you can't just look i mean there's probably historical science these days where they try to look at things morally and it's all about how equal how gender equal it was sorry that was probably a cheap shot uh, but like you know there's there's there are people who are like thinking about oh, how just was it to do that but that's not from what I think and what I learned at university, that's not a good way to scientifically look at the past, right? So let's take an example from the stuff I'm actually somewhat an expert in, I don't know, that I did a lot of time on in university. Let's look at Bismarck. Um, I talked about Bismarck before. So Bismarck founded the German nation in 1871. And because of that, we have Germany, as you understand it. Before that, it was just a collection of kingdoms. If Bismarck wouldn't have done this, um, you, you'd now have a map. I mean, we have 16 federal states now. At least those would all be different countries. Um, it would look like the fucking Balkans in the middle of Europe and, and, and Germany would have never been an economic powerhouse. Um, you know, the, I mean, we wouldn't never had have World War II, we'd never have had Hitler, that's true. Uh, but also everything else, like it never had the Euro and whatever. Um, so, you know, if you're like, if you're German... And if you accept that the German um, nation state is a thing, then if you look back historically, you have to accept that to found the state, Bismarck had to start wars with Denmark and France. He basically, um, in a very realpolitik, Machiavellian power politics way, just attacked other countries because he knew I need to, if I want to galvanize Germany, the Germans into a state, and everybody else around me is a state, so we have to be a nation state to survive. We can't be those little fucking kingdoms everywhere. If I want to do that, I need to. I needed like a foreign policy uh, impetus, and I need to kind of. I need to start wars, and that's what he did. Like he, that's the only reason he started those wars. 
because he knew he knew where he was who he was going and the only way he could see to get there was start that is basically what putin is doing right leaving all moral and ethical and and any any judgment out of that just technically that's what putin's doing he's using war as an instrument of politics that's why i see it so cold-heartedly because if you study you know if you're german and you study german history you know that germany exists because of that and you know many other countries do right um if you if you look at what happened to france and in the advent of the french revolution and after that uh, to form france as it is today um, if you look at many other countries turkey uh, the us if you look at how the us as a state came to be you know there had to be wars um and and so the you know, taking away what I said in the beginning was a ju never just, but sometimes maybe they're necessary. And and from from a historical point of view today, it's large, largely irrelevant whether the wars against Denmark and France were just. Nobody cares about that. They probably weren't, but that's not the important thing. They were what got Germany founded, one of the most powerful states in Europe. So it's just, it's what you call, you know, um, fittingly in French, uh, a fait accompli. Um, you make um, you make facts, right? Um, and that's what a state statesman does. And to be a good statesman, you need. I feel you need to be like that. You can't be, you can't be sitting there. Uh, is this um, is this like international law? Is this like is this morally? Uh, justified what I'm doing like you have a goal you think it's the right goal for the people you represent you know that voted for you or whatever um, and 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 you follow through and if you don't do that you can't be a statesman at all like you can't like you can't even get up in the morning to do the fucking job because that's what the job is um and and you know having studied a lot of history definitely not a job i would like i would want to do because i understand that it entails this um, but also like you have to understand that you you're like if you if you're running a state you're like you're working on a historical time frame as well right um doesn't matter if bismarck was vilified or in his time or celebrated or afterwards like he's dead, he's been dead for a long time. But what he did endures. What he, what he, it's like Stalin. I mean, you don't have to like Stalin. And if you understand Stalin and you read a lot about him, I don't think you will like him. <laughs> I don't think you can. But he founded an enduring legacy. Um, and he created something on a global scale that is more or less still there today. Um, and, you know, the funny thing is we have these feelings about Bismarck and about Stalin, but the, the further off it goes in the distance, the less feelings we have, right? If I tell, if I, if I say the Roman Empire, what do you think? You think like the cradle of civilization, right? You think like, oh, they had all these things that we lost in the Middle Ages that took us hundreds of years to get back, like how to paint buildings, how to fucking uh, pump our shit out of cities. They did all of that. They were amazing. They invented wine cheers, or pretty much invented it as a civilization. 
they're this all this amazing thing. They they basically solidified. I mean, the Greeks can invented democracy, but they they solidified it in the more of a modern thing, right? The thing that we later, many many hundred years later, picked up. But like the Romans were fucking conquerors. They were horrific. Anything the Romans did was basically war crimes. Like warfare in that time was war crimes compared to today. They just fucking, they didn't care. <laughs> you know, they were like, oh, civilians. We, we, oh, there's a city full of, full of civilians. Oh, we'll, we'll have humanitarian corridors. and let's, No, they fucking burnt the whole city down with the civilians in it, right? But because it's 2,000 years ago, we go like, oh, yeah, we've forgotten all about that. We just remember the, the aqueducts and the Colosseum and, and how regal they looked on coins. And, you know, the, 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 the legions kind of looked... Um, Looked, <laughs> they looked fashionable, they like fashionable clothes and those little swords. They were kind of funny, um, right? So that's that's why if you study history, you just adopt this very cold. What I think a lot of people think cold-hearted perspective of automatically, because I mean, if you think about it, you have probably have that cold-hearted perspective about historical things. They're just like older. Or the Vikings. I mean, the, the Vikings. People are like, let's make video games with Vikings. Let's make shows with TV shows with Vikings. Vikings. I mean, Vikings fucking in, raped and pillaged. The Vikings fucking ruined their own civilization because, like, they basically killed too many of their infant female children, and their kings and their nobility had too many women, so that the like lower classes fucking. I say fucking couldn't fuck because they they just had no access to women, so they founded a culture where the young men were so horny that they got in boats and and rode across the fucking ocean and died for a large part somewhere, and then they landed and they fucking stole their gold and like raped women and took like five women home each, like. That is the most, the, the Viking, there are people today who are like, oh, I'm proud of being of Viking culture. That's like, if, that's like the absence of culture. Fucking Vikings were the most horrific, um, like, Vikings is like, war, Vikings are like war crimes united, right? If, if anybody would behave like a Viking today in Ukraine, you'd go like, what the, f the uh, war crimes, stone them, fucking... TikTok videos, why are they raping the civilians? <laughs> why are they carrying, why are the Russians carrying off the women? Um, so, like, you know, with the historic perspective, it's just like, it's just a long time ago. So now it's cool, right? I mean, there will come a time, you know, right now we think like the, the I, I guarantee you this, I guarantee you this. As a historian, I guarantee you this. If you, the human race endures for for enough time there will come a time when like the holocaust and like the horrors of world war ii will just be a thing that's probably also cool it's gonna be in video games or whatever um it's gonna be like the fucking what's the herogen what is the fuck on, on voyager where they dress up in nazi uniforms because they they find like tom paris's holodeck program like it'll be like fucking that um it'll be like It'll be like 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 amusement parks where you can where you can dress up as uh, as concentration camp officers. I mean, I as 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 horrible as that sounds, you know, in a few hundred years or in in a thousand years, that that's what history is. 
like you know if you look back it just levels everything and so as a historian you kind of get used it's kind of like if you're a surgeon and like the first time you if you're a medical student and the first time you cut up a human being a live human being you're like this is horrible i'm cutting up a live human being like you're probably puking and you're like what the fuck and then you do that for 10 years and you're like yeah that's what i do i kind of have to turn those feelings off Right? If somebody comes in here and they're bleeding from an arterial wound and the fucking the whole place is red, my job is to rescue them. I can't think about how horrible it is that I'm like sticking my finger into their fucking neck artery to stop the bleeding. Right? Because I'm a professional and I need to kind of do this to save their life. And you know, as a historian, you're not saving anybody's lives, but like that's kind of the same same approach. Right, you'll have to read about all these horrible things and try to look at them with less emotion because otherwise you can't you can't analyze them correctly. If you think about them like a news journalist does these days, where it's like, "Oh my God, it's this! Oh my God, isn't that amazing? That Ukrainian soldier wasn't wasn't killed because that bullet got stuck in his iPhone. Isn't that amazing?" Like, if you think about it, everything like that, you can't fucking. Your an, your analysis is going to be shit. And that's why the analysis is shit. This is why journalism is fucking atrocious, because it's all that. And then if somebody comes along, and like I'm not saying it's not only me. There are people who do this out there. Um, you try the same thing, and they, they, they analyze things. Um, you know, they take a step back, and they're like, I'm not involved. Let's not be involved in this conflict. Just look at it, and let's talk about it. Like with a scientific mindset, everybody says, you're a fucking monster, you're cold-hearted, I'm like, you know, stone that guy, call his editor, why, why does he still have a job? And with that, let's get to the last point, my favorite point, and I'm going to name drop my favorite uh, person, let's talk about propaganda, and Edward Bernays, uh, which I'm... I'm rereading propaganda right now, and I'm going to do an episode or a series of episodes on that book because I keep telling everybody to read the fucking book, but I don't think they're they're doing that, which I can understand. You know, you're you're off the hook. You probably listen to this podcast because you like to listen to things. Um, so, yeah, it's, and it's also a book from 1928. Um, but it's very readable, though. Um, but yeah, I'm going to do some episodes on that because it's very, very, it holds up to this very, like you read that now <laughs> and you, you're like the TV's on, you're watching like the coverage of of the, of the war and you're like, oh, COVID. <laughs> you're like, God, how is this guy, how did this guy foresee the future a hundred years ago? Uh, he didn't. A spoiler, he didn't. It was just everything just fucking stayed the same. <laughs> we invented the telephone and we invented the railroad and you know the internet just didn't, didn't change that much it just made it all quicker anyway so there 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 were these guys this uh it's also walter lipman who is or lipman i think he's american isn't he it's just a german name walter lipman um who's uh who's also a journalist um but he basically kind of pioneered a lot of this thinking about propaganda and then bernays kind of uh, codified it and ever since the, the, those both of those guys worked for the State Department, uh, uh, the war was it the War Office? I don't know. The UK one was called the War Office during World War One. They did propaganda for the Allies, and um, because of what happened there, uh, which is why Bernays later wrote this 
this book like several books but like that's like the first one this is seminal piece where he kind of defends propaganda it's kind of a propaganda propaganda it's like an ad for propaganda or, or public relations um um because of what happened in World War One, and because of the propaganda on both sides, at this again the winners, right? At first they said, "Oh, it's only the Germans," uh, you know, the Germans did all the propaganda. But later it came out that yes, okay, the Allies also did all this propaganda about the Hun, right? The Germans being the Hun and how uncivilized the Prussians are, and whatever. <laughs> Even though, like half of half of the U.S. Uh, so-called civilization is fucking cobbled together from the Prussians because they all fled because of hunger, and that's 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 where all your fucking uh, all your learning, or, or because like you know there were Protestants and they had to flee, and that's how they all ended up in the U.S. That's where all your fucking civilization comes from. But anyway, you know, propaganda, propaganda is dumb sometimes. Um, but because of that, you know, in the in the advent of World War One, it was all the Germans doing that, and a lot of people realized, hey, uh, we we've been doing this as well in the U.S. and 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 the U.K. But ever since then, we we have accepted kind of as a society that you know, in war in wartime, there's going to be propaganda from both sides, and um, and and then it it goes through phases, right? In World War Two, we kind of know that as a society, but we accept it. Um, although I don't think the Germans knew this. Um, because otherwise Hitler wouldn't have worked. Um, Hitler, who uh, and, and Goebbels, who, who clearly read Bernays, I think Goebbels was fluent in English. Um, you know, that's where they got a lot of their ideas. Um, but like we, we kind of, you know, in the in the in, in on on the Allies side of World War Two, it was kind of largely accepted that propaganda is a thing and that everybody does propaganda. But that because it's a just war, TM. Uh, you know, the propaganda is just, which is kind of Bernays' point in this book, right? Which kind of makes sense. You know, if you take propaganda and PR as the same thing, which it is, um, then, you you know, you, you can do propaganda and PR for good things, right? Um, you know, you can, you can, if you, you know, I used to do a Linux podcast, right? If you're a Red Hat uh, is a, you know, open source company uh, does a lot of Linux. They put out a lot of propaganda or PR, as they would call it. Um, and it might be for good cause. Right, it might it might be something I hundred percent agree with, um, in some cases, but it's still propaganda, and that's the important thing. That's that's what's going on here as well. We kind of knew that in the in the thirties, we kind of knew that everybody put out propaganda, and that's why propaganda began began to be uh, understood as a dirty word, which it wasn't before. Um, you know, the 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 the, the Vatican invented it. Uh, in the 17th century, um, and and back then it was a good word. It was like how to propagate the faith properly. That's where it came comes from. But you know, World War One it became a dirty word, and so they kind of knew around the world wars. They kind of they kind of knew that everybody was doing propaganda, and both sides did it. And we kind of we've largely forgotten that, and especially our press and you know mass media has forgotten that. And you you can you can see that. Um, because if you if you look at the coverage of the Ukraine war, it's pretty much anything the Russians say is treated as propaganda and labeled as such. Rightly so, because that's what it is. We're in wartime. Anything any Russian source said, official Russian government source or you know military sources, that's all propaganda. Nothing of that can be none of that can be taken at face value. Um 
problem is then they take what uh, Volodymyr Zelensky, which is this uh, a side note, cold-hearted political historian. Sometimes we find things funny. I find it incredibly funny that both of these guys are called Vladimir. That just like on a on a very ironic level shows you how how close they actually are. Like how dumb this war is, because basically they're the same fucking culture, right? It's like fucking. Austrians are oh, we are not no Austrians are Austrians they're like if you'd say to an Austrian I do this sometimes because I'm in his I'm a story and I'm a troublemaker you know somebody says oh I'm Austrian and I'm not doing things like German I'm like you, you're German they're like what no we're Austrian we're not German like the kingdom of Austria used to be a kingdom in Germany just like Bavaria was or Saxony right they're Germans. They speak German, right? The 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 Austrian German is not is less different from like the High German, as we call it. They they talk in Hanover. It's le- less different than Bavarian is from from Hanover German, right? It's like, of course, like from a historical perspective, they're German. And this anyway, this this cracks me up because I, I, these guys are basically you know they're all Kiev, Kievan Rus. Um, Ah, uh, but you know, um, but what we don't understand today is that of well, I don't know. We don't. Some people don't want to understand. Some people pay lip service. But basically, I mean, everything Zelensky says is propaganda as well. And it's it's you can't take any of that any more seriously than anything the Russian government says. Probably less because they're on the. Yeah, I don't know if they're on the losing side. It kind of looks like they're, they're doing quite well there. Probably have to do an episode on that at some point as well. Um, but, you know, they're on the, the, especially in the beginning, they were very, 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 um, um, uh, what kind of, what's what's the word I want? It's, it's like a word I'm looking for. Um, and I only know the German one, so I'm going to have to, I'm sorry. Desperate, yeah, they were kind of desperate, you know. They kind of and like a lot of stuff. They it's not even the government. Like today, for some reason, I watch TV, right? And then there's like a, a German, uh, I watched um, German public broadcaster, and they're explaining propaganda in war, right? And I'm just, I'm just sitting there, like face palming the whole time because at the same time, I literally have Bernays open on the desk next to me, and I'm like. You should maybe you should read this before you're talking about it. Anyway, they're pro- explaining propaganda and war and why Russian propaganda is bad. And they're like, of course, the Ukrainians, this is also propaganda. But we also have stuff from civilians, right? It's just like a cell phone footage. And then you can see it's, it's bomb. Like, dude, it was a woman. But like, lady, dude, I'm just going to call you dude. It's a, it's a, it's a non-gender specific dude. Dude, dude, that's fucking propaganda as well, right? I mean, it's automatically like if if I'm in a country and the, the the Russians are bombing my fucking country, and I'm like trying to get the news out, like of course I'm on the Ukraine. I'm Ukrainian. I'm on the Ukraine. It might be a video of something I'm filming, but like it's framed. Like it's a it's um. It's a specific. Um, splinter shard of reality that is being shown, right? For for. A, for a very clear reason, um, 
so yes it is propaganda and i'm going to do an episode on explaining why why that is propaganda but it's like she's, she's basically saying like this is not propaganda we can believe this and i'm, I'm like sitting there like what like i watch these fucking tiktok videos and they're like the like what what surprises me in this conflict this is the side has nothing really to do with well, it does have something to do with understanding propaganda because I think for 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 decades we understood propaganda a lot better as as a as a collective public. I think today's people are largely I don't know I it, I, I like to say things as I see them. People are fucking idiots when it comes to this. This is the most blatant fucking propaganda I've ever seen. This is fucking worse than the Nazi Third Reich propaganda, and that's like something you watch you, you look at today and you're like. How could people fall for this? And I'm like watching, oh yeah, Russian tanks destroyed in the street. I'm like, the Russians are almost beat. Like, I'm like, how can you fucking fall for this? Like, how can you be so dumb that somebody shows you a video of a street with a lot of destroyed tanks? You're like, okay, um, they're saying the Russians are almost done for. Uh, it must be true. I'm like, what you're seeing is a street full of destroyed tanks, which is normal in wartime. Happens on both sides. It's like, it's like, you know, the the fucking the, the 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 Germans losing the tank battle at Kursk, and then just taking pictures of of all the there were thousands of destroyed Russian tanks, right? Taking photos and then at home going, we destroyed the Red Army at Kursk and we're winning. Look at all the destroyed Russian tanks. I'm like, you went to school, right? They 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 should have taught you like basics, and then journalists don't get. It. It's like, why can't you just? Ah, this makes me think two things. First off, we we need we need to change our education system completely. Like, I don't have kids. I really also I really don't give a damn. But if you guys, if you listen to this and you have kids, right? If you have kids and you really want to, you know, people tell me you have to make the world a better place for kids. All right, I don't have kids. I don't give a fuck. Once once I'm gone, you know, do whatever you want. I don't, I don't, I don't give a shit. I'm going to be dead. I'm going to kill myself on my motorbike, fab out, you know, what you do to the planet. I don't give a flying fuck. But if you give a flying fuck because you have kids right here's two things you need to do first off we need to change the fucking education system and i don't know what subjects you get rid of sports i don't know if i don't care if all people are fed just get rid of mathematics and let computers do that what we need to teach kids is two things first off basic critical thinking like fucking i'm talking like plato and the cave right that's what we did in like first grade whatever that you, you need like that you need to like teach kids how to like the difference between basically how you can as a human being you you can never like um even if you look at something that's not reality because it's filtered through your fucking senses and you through your experiences and that just basic that and basic critical thinking like fucking plato socrates we need to do that for like two years or whatever just teach the kids to fucking think before you teach them fucking javascript or anything i don't give and, and throw the fucking ipads away just get a guy there explain and then we need a second class um where we need to teach kids like about propaganda they need to read fucking bernays and somebody needs to explain it to them and if you want me to go to school and do that I'll, I'll i hate kids and i never want to be a teacher but i would fucking do that i would you know 
go to like a, a high school class and go like, guys, look, this is what propaganda is. This is how it works. This is how it influences all of us. And this is how you recognize it. And even if you're really good at recognizing it, you will be manipulated by it, by the way. Spoiler. Everybody is. Um, but we need to kind of, the, the basics, that's why I'm going to do an episode on that as well. Um, people need to understand this. And the fucking journalists need to understand it. Like, what is, what is wrong? I mean, I can understand how you want to believe because you're like, and it might even be the truth. That's not the point. Like, the point is like, The point is, like, especially German journalists, didn't you have history? Didn't you understand how this worked, like, in the, in the Third Reich? And it's all the same techniques. It's like it's not new. You know, it's presenting certain certain parts of reality. It's like, and it works everywhere the same. Like, it's not it's not like, okay, I'm, 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 I'm like the Russian government, and I'm trying to explain how we win this war. So I'm showing only what I think, you know, looks good from our side, right? That's like how, how how the Russian wartime propaganda works. That's also how NVIDIA, if they have a problem with their fucking graphics card, how they do public relations. They like to throw all of this shit out and then go like, oh, all of this, all this. Now, that this graphics card actually has a like, calculation error where it, in a certain um, situation, it does something like really bad and it fucks up. I don't know. It fucks up the shaders. Let's not talk about that. Let's try to that the journalists never see that. Let's show them those games that don't use those shaders in those circumstances, right? That that is how they. That's like it's the same fucking techniques everywhere, and they're the same since 1928. They're all described in a book in 1928. And we're still falling for them every single fucking day. It's amazing to me. Anyway, so when I talk about this, I'm not talking about I'm on the Ukrainian side or I'm on the Russian side, right? I'm, I'm trying to... I started this show... Because I want you to enable yourself, you know, enable you to think for yourself, you know, sapere aude. Um, and that's that's one goal. And then I want to explain things that, you know, talk about things that are important to me that I think are the, um, the crucial things you need to know. And a lot of that is privacy. But, you know, right now it's the Ukrainian war. Because it's kind of like, you know, you know why I stopped doing my Linux podcast, Linux Outlaws, because I thought like one of the reasons, there were several reasons, but one of the reasons was Linux and open source just isn't the fucking frontier in computing anymore. That's not like, there are all these people and we're, we're, we're interviewing all these people, we're talking to all these people and ourselves, we're thinking about like, it's so important to use open source and it's like software freedom. And, and I'm sitting there and thinking, yeah, but like, like we largely have that or we're debating whether like Android is like how open is it and how many friends do you get and this is that but we're completely ignoring that Google is fucking taking over our whole society by sucking in all our data right I was like that is 
that is the actual battleground. That's what we need to talk about. So and that's why I kind of started the show. Um, and then, you know, that's kind of important. That was kind of important through the pandemic. But I now I'm coming to the realization um, that more and more, yes, privacy is still important to me. And, you know, as, as open source is still important to me. But like I'm coming more and more to the understanding that what what is happening is like we need to talk more about the processes in society. Like there's a reason why our privacy is violated constantly by big corporations and there's a reason why the state doesn't um mind largely and sometimes does initiatives like but like i'm 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 i'm, I'm digging deeper and i'm 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 feeling like this, you know, and one of the big reasons is, of course, journalism doesn't work and, you know, propaganda works, like public relations works, but journalism doesn't. And that's a really important thing. It doesn't mean I'm not going to talk about um, privacy anymore, right? Because I, th I still think that's very important. Um, but I also need to talk about these other things. And then, you know, something like fucking Putin attacks Ukraine and I'm like, if we have nuclear war next week like who fucking cares about propaganda although propaganda is maybe why we'll have the nuclear war but you know it's it's shifting priorities and i'm trying to shift this show with it and i hope that works like and i as, as you can hopefully will be able to tell by this episode i'm um i listen to what you say uh, as producers of the show you're not just listeners well you're just listeners and then you write in and you're a producer um, and I and I listen to everything, um, and I might even you know on the forum. People will probably see this mostly in emails. You don't see that if I just write something. I might even at first react uh, negatively or maybe a bit defensive, and 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 but, but try to justify what I meant. But that doesn't mean you know when you say well on the show you did this and I'm like that's not what I meant. I was blah, blah, blah. that doesn't mean that the topic's over. Right, I'm, I'm, often I'm thinking about this, and often I'm under the shower, or I'm in bed when I can't sleep, or in the car, and I'm thinking, oh, maybe, maybe they had, they had a point there. And like with this specific topic, so many people kind of nudged me in that direction. I was like, yeah, so there's some stuff. I, I, I don't think I did anything wrong. I think I, um, I um, fulfilled my personal. Um, goal of what I was trying to do with that episode, right? But but maybe um, maybe there's something, you know, it's something I need to explain. Something more I need to explain, or maybe there's um, these things to clarify, and, and I hopefully that, that helped. Hopefully this is something um, that this whole me, me talking about all this uh, gave you further understanding or opened up some thinking thought processes for you i don't know i i hope this basically i hope i hope one and a half hours of just rambling on about this shit was uh, was worth it to you um and i've mentioned the feedback let's just quickly get into that
and by that I don't mean get into uh, actual like feedback from listeners because that was basically what this episode was, as I explained. Um, but uh, I wanted to tell you that, um, of course, uh, please send me feedback on this episode. It's it's all a circle. Um, you know, if you, if you don't agree with something I said, or, you know, you agree, or you have a different viewpoint, um, or you don't like the direction the show is going, you know, feel free to tell me. Um, I will defend the direction the show is going, probably, but because, you know, there's a reason it's going this way, because I think, obviously, I think what I'm doing is right, otherwise I wouldn't be doing it. But that doesn't mean, you know, you're not influencing uh, my, my, my thought process about this. And please, you know, let me know. Um, let me know about um, topics you, you want covered, maybe aspects you want covered, uh, stuff you find interesting, you know. If I do an episode like this and you're like, this is great, uh, you should do this more often. Or like the, the, the you know, the, the Bernays episode sounds, sounds cool. Um, you should you should prioritize that. You should do that next. Um, let me know. Um, I am I am open uh, to your suggestions. Um, I hope this episode gave you a bit of uh, a deeper understanding of how my thought process works. That's another one of my goals, and I just hope it makes you think, right? Um, because that's when I listen to podcasts or I read articles. Um, or I read books. That's what I'm looking for. Um, you know, people who like jot something loose in my head where I'm like, oh, wow, this is interesting. I am not thinking about this. Or like, I mean, that's an interesting perspective. That's not my perspective, but um, it's an interesting perspective. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, that was kind of the goal. And um, tell me if I reaches or if i didn't go to private citizen press and um, details are under producer feedback and with that let's talk about the second uh most important thing or maybe even the most important thing producers of the show do What they do is they toss a coin to their podcaster, uh, which is me. And <laughs> I've had some um, some new people sign up, and some people increased their pledges recently, which which makes me really happy. Um, I'll try. You know, this is Patreon. I'm talking about. You can you can become a patron on Patreon. Link is in the show notes. Private citizen or press um, in the actual you know show notes. In this case, episode one one four. But it's in every episode. Just scroll down to toss a coin to your podcaster. All the details are in there. Um, and um, I, I make a point of trying to contact everybody on, on, on Patreon and just tell them, hey, hello, uh, thanks for um, thanks for supporting me. I uh, appreciate it uh, because it helps. I mean, I don't know how's it where you are, but like inflation is fucking rampant over here. Like all the prices have basically increased by 10 to 20 percent of pretty much anything. That's not counting petrol or stuff like that, which really increased. Um, so yeah, I, any, 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 anything helps. I'm a poor freelance journalist. Anyway, that's the pitch. Patreon or PayPal producers at fab.industries 
it's the value for value model and um let's get out of here uh but before we do that let's uh, let's thank everybody who did support this very episode um so if you got a kick out of it please thank george's steve o's butterbeans rodin the insane michael small jonathan m hede hede jonathan m hede gives me shit for not being able to pronounce his name i think i'll have to send it file in Jonathan, you'll, you'll have to send a voice. You send me a file. Uh, Michael Mullen Jensen, Dave 1I11G, Jaroslav Lichtblau, Jackie Plage, Philip Klostermann, IKN, Bennett Piata, Sandman 616, Tobias, Vlad, Mode 7, Kai Sears, Joe Poser, Rizal, Fadi Mansour, Jerk Didi, Avis, David Potter, Mika, Mr. Ramish, Cam, Dave Amrish, Ricky M., Barry Williams, Jonathan RJ Tracy, Rick Bragg, Captain Eckett, Astro C, Robert Forster, I need a drink. No, that isn't a supporter. Robert Forster, super user D, no reply, and Crunkle. Thanks to all of you. That's a fun name, Crunkle. Kind of like that. Um, I also have to thank my Twitch subscribers, although I'm not streaming this live on Twitch, but sometimes I do, most of the time I do. So everybody who supports my Twitch channel, which is Foxtrot Alpha Bravo, Alpha with an F, with an F, uh, because I take the natural alphabet seriously. Um, yeah, thanks to my Twitch subscribers also. Mike, all of them supposed to support this, of course. Mike the Dane, Jonathan MH underscore com, Luna Spork, Galtaron, Alterestris Jim, MTE Sorrow, Redeemer F, Bacon the Pork, and Harry Vatana. And also thanks to Bindmark at bindmark.co.uk, who, um, uh, thankfully host the servers and 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 give me service and bandwidth for free to uh, send you the podcast uh, host the podcast which is uh very important and that's it i'm out of here um theme song of this show is called acoustic roots by Ra- raul kabazali and i'm playing you out with a song called law rider by roots and recognition which um i really enjoy so um let's listen to that See you soon. Sapper Auder. <laughs>